Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It takes a pandemic. Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic for me to finally clean out my desk. It takes a pandemic to start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Uh, it takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to fake. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians. With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over. About their dedication to the art of live performance. Joining me on Zoom for this Hunker Down episode are three musician-composers and one poet. Shortly after the COVID-19 lockdown here in New York City, this group began producing online, live, socially distanced music events, and they called it the Composers Concordance Social Bubble Salon. Each of these artists is a talented and prodigious performer and creator of new music. We're going to meet these talented artists, talk a bit about the Composers' Concordance, and listen to some of the work they have been pre- presenting at their scheduled salons. So, with that bit of an intro, let's meet Jean Pritzker and Dan Cooper. First, uh, let me do a little introduction to Jean. He has completed over 700 compositions performed by top-notch ensembles all over the world, including chamber operas, orchestral and chamber works, electroacoustic music, and songs for hip-hop and rock ensembles. New York Newsday writes that Pritzker's work is, quote, not designed for easy listening or to melt into the background. It is insistent. It demands attention and curiosity. All right, and Gene is holding up his fist as he drinks his uh, Stella. Dan Cooper uh, is a multi-instrumentalist specializing in seven-string bass guitar, also flute electronic. Dan Cooper has performed all over the world, at venues too numerous for me to mention right here in this program. His music has been noted in the Associated Press, American Record Guide, Berkshire Eagle, Boston Globe, blah, blah, blah. It goes on, New York Times, Seattle Post. Uh, so there's, there's too many there. Go to his website to see that full list. His work has been described as, quote, contemporary impressionism, quote, invigoratingly eclectic to the max, inventive, kinetic, full of inst- instrumental virtuosity and sly humor. And again, that goes on and on and on. Obviously, we have some talented guys here. And Gene and Dan, who we're going to talk to right now, uh, are the co-directors of Composer's Concordance. So welcome, Gene and Dan, to uh, hunker down. Thank you. Uh, Gene, yeah. Gene, the last concert of yours I attended was your Sound Liberation at the Piano Bar over in the East Village. That the was end of March. Concert. Yeah, that was a mad concert. We had just realized that the pandemic, pandemic was coming in, and so the room was very crowded, very hot, no moving air. You fell off the stage. 
It was a wild night. I'm, I'm amazed we're all not dead because that was a really crowded room. Um, it really was, yes. And uh, yeah. luckily, nobody had corona, I guess, in the room. I so guess we they didn't. Sick, right? <laughs> because we were. Quite a review, Gene. Oh, Dan, what, you, you were saying something, Dan. No, I, I, I was just adding that was quite a review when you said you were surprised we weren't all dead. So. <laughs> you could add that to your list of. Yeah, all right, right. And people no, survived this concert. <laughs> people actually survived. So, uh, so there, there you go. Um, and Dan, I last met you, or I first met you, at a Composer Concordance Three Keys concert at the Domina Center in Manhattan in February 2020. And we talked about electronic music, Mario Davidovsky, Maurice Wright. You're interested in, in that. Um, yes, I remember you. I think you were telling me that you were a fan of Usachevsky. Well, I, I'm I, not necessarily a fan. I just done a program on on uh, the um, Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center and, and Davidovsky. And I was with Maurice oh, Wright. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very interesting program. I mean, it's not music that I sit down and like have a drink over, but. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we can. Well, we, you we drink can after about. you hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I got to have a drink. That could help. That could help you get through it. In, exactly. That could help you get through it in some instances. Yeah, there, well, there you go. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting point you're actually making because a lot of the stuff Dan and I are doing with composing cordons is playing complicated music, in then in places where people have drinks and have a, not like concert halls because listening to music that you're just sitting and looking is kind of hard. But what if you hear an electronic piece in a bar? And I, I kind yeah. of see what you're saying. In, in that, you know, if I were to drink, it's like I would kind of like maybe get more into my head and more into the, the, the weird music that's coming out. It, it's uh, not about the drink. It's about the social aspect of it. So if you create like an actual social aspect with drinks or food or whatever, and you listen to weird music, it's different than just sitting in a hall. You just kind of you have to be there and not talk. And, and, and now that halls are gone anyway. So, yeah, whatever. we don't we, <laughs> so, we don't have that. Some now. of our. Some of our productions have been in the traditional concert halls in yeah. Domena Center when we can get it and so forth. That's terrific. But we also present concerts in art galleries, uh, clubs, uh, a whole uh, church space, a whole variety of, of, of venues, uh, different compositional approaches that are represented. We try to be very inclusive in that way. And in addition, Gene and I are always imagining what the concerts are going to be like. like what's it going to be like as a sonic experience? And so to be in a variety of acoustic environments for the music can be great. Let's talk a bit about the composer's concordance itself. Uh, it's been around for like over 30 years. And now Gene and Dan, you're the co-directors of it. So could you tell us a little about the history of it and how you got involved? The composer's concordance started uh, in 84, I think, by Joseph Pearson and Patrick Hardish. And uh, Joseph just passed away from COVID. So he died this you know, March. Wow. Uh, so our next season, actually, we're going to devote a whole concert in his memory and, of course, play a lot of his music. Uh, but uh, Dan and I took over the organization about I don't know, 10 years ago. Uh, and Joseph was a bit of a mentor of mine and got me into the group right out of college, mostly. So I've been running it. And then I asked Dan to join to co-direct with me. But Dan had even a longer history with the band, <laughs> with the group, because he studied with uh, Otto Luning. And Dan could talk a little bit about Otto, who was a mentor to compose concordance. Sure, and he was big in the electronic music uh, yes. field, right? So, Dan, go ahead. Otto Luning. 
Well, yeah, he, he also happens to have been the inspiration for the for my piano piece, which was on this recent program. But Otto was an advisor to Joe Pearson, Patrick Hardish. In those years I was uh, working for Otto, we were preparing his collection of scores and tapes for the New York Public Library. And uh, composers whom Otto was advising would stop by the apartment there on Riverside Drive. Uh, Joe Pearson, Pat Hardish, sometimes they would bring scores and program ideas. Joe, at first, I I must say, uh, he seemed to me a very serious type. Later on, I learned of uh, Joe's uh, more humorous side and uh, the fact that he really wanted to represent a wider range of composition than maybe other contemporary series at that time. Well, I'll take a little credit for that because when I met him, and he was kind of my mentor, but he was also influenced by my uh, eclectic nature. And, you know, I introduced him to hip hop. And in fact, he made him write hip hop music sometimes for me. And all of a sudden, he actually opened up and really liked the direction that I was uh, going musically and asked me to be a kind of associate director at first for composing concordance before I took over as director Um, and then with Dan. But uh, yeah, but Joe was always open to it. I'm not, uh, I mean, Patrick Hardish maybe was not as much, but you know, came around to it. But Joe was definitely very open to various styles of music and whatever. But I think when Dan met him first before me, he was in that new music, um, serious person vibe, <laughs> yeah. I assume. And we're, yeah. we're going to hear some of what I think we're describing as new music. I would like to get a sense of what this is, because it could be so many different things. What is it, I know, Gene, you've written about this and we've talked about it. What is it that attracts you to what we're calling this new music? I mean, Lynn also, Lynn Bechtold, we'll talk to in a minute about hers. Uh, I think it's, uh, the term has been used as as almost like a genre, like contemporary music or 20th century music or modern music, but I think that's all bull a little bit. For me, new music is anything that's written now (laughs) and that is pushing the boundaries and doesn't sound like, so you know, music from the past. So you could have pop music that's new music if it's like original and has its own voice. So for me, new music is really, it's something that's original, that's new, that uh, has the craft and the art well intact in it. Uh, so just because you write a brand new pop song that sounds like every other pop song, that I don't kind of consider new music, even though it's new, but it's, you're not, you don't have your own voice. You sound like this every song that I've ever fucking heard. You know, there's like four chords that are, have already been used, believe me. <laughs> Even though you think that you just wrote a brand new song. So what is new? So to me, new music is not a genre of, you know, the white classical composer. That's fine, you know. Uh, but anybody could write new music as long as you find the voice, as long as you're pushing the boundaries of what music could be, and as long as you're uh, uh, showing people what what other areas of the sublime there is. That sounded great, and we will have some examples of that, uh, new mm-hmm. music. And if you ever want to hear new music. Uh, attend a composer concordance uh, concert, or tune into one of the salons, which we'll be talking about later. Uh, later, I would I would chime in and and just add that uh, the incredible roster of performers that we're able to bring in for these programs represents a new kind of virtuosity going into the 21st century. New ways of playing these instruments, uh, stretching the techniques, uh, and and uh, really representing uh, a great variety of instruments as well as electronic music on the programs. Thank you. Thank you, Dan and Gene. I think now it's time to meet one of the featured musicians who has performed in the Social Bubble Salon, Lynn Bechtold. Uh, Pianist Kathleen Sopovi was supposed to join us, but she couldn't. Maybe we'll catch up with her later. 
Uh, Lynn is a violinist and composer whose passion is new music. She has premiered works in the Tribeca New Music Festival and the Princeton Composers Series. Uh, All About Jazz website has praised Miss Bechtold's, quote, virtuosity and technical expertise. Strings Magazine described her playing as impressive and close to the edge. Lynn Bechtold, good to see you again. We met in December, I, I, I don't know if you remember, at a concert put together by Melitza Paranozic, her her lady's first, uh, it was a Pioneers concert. And right, I, yeah, actually, I co-direct that with Melissa. So okay. I'm one of the directors of that. <laughs> right. I've heard you play uh, live, and I, I, you know, I've heard you play digitally. Uh, clearly, and you can and probably do play classic violin, do you? I do, yeah. I mean, I'm classically trained. Right, right. <laughs> but you're attracted to new music. Yeah, and I have been... Well, a little bit in high school because my uh, violin teacher in high school was also a composer. So I, he would show me a little bit what he was always composing. And then when I went to college um, at New England Conservatory um, and Tufts University in Boston, I played in all the new music groups in the school. So that I think there were two or three of them and I played in all of them because yeah. I just like really liked being able to work with living composers and things like that. But is it, I mean, living composers also do some stuff that are kind of very melodic and yeah, that's true. But this is different. I mean, we'll hear a piece that that uh, you did at at uh, one of the um, social bubble salons. What is it about new music that attracts you? Personally, I think it's the rhythm. The rhythms are always like more complicated, and I find it fun to kind of like count them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but also it's like you get to have a say. Like if I'm playing a Beethoven sonata or you know some concerto by Tchaikovsky, there's a very specific style you're supposed to play it in, and if you deviate from that you know, you're considered like very crass. You're like, why are you playing that without the proper style? You know, which you need to know. So I think you do need to know the rules, but um, I don't really like having to always play a set style of music, even though I enjoy when I get to play like, you know, something Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, whatever. Of course I enjoy it, um, but but it's, it's nice to, what is, to what make is, up your own style. You enjoy it, but it's a different kind of enjoying. So is one is just freer and more creative and the other struck well, what what is the difference in the experience as you're playing a beethoven versus playing uh the piece we're going to be hearing today uh, murmur i think like if you play beethoven it's i mean more people know it so either they're nostalgic or it brings some you know joy to them because they sort of have heard it before but i think you can um introduce people to new things if you're if you're creating new music or things like that um, and you have the potential to, you know, so they might say, oh, I hate this. Like, and then you can talk to them and you'll, you'll get some people to kind of, oh, I didn't realize that. And maybe they'll come around and like, it. and other people, they just, you know, shut the door and they're like, nope, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, but it, you, you have, it kind of uh, brings about conversations, I think, which is good. When they say they don't like it or they hate it, what are they hating? Oh, some, it could be anything. Some people don't like electronics. Some people don't like strange harmonies some people don't like you know the instrumentation like you hear it all like when you when you like have a post-concert reception you'll hear many different comments from people you know usually they're usually they're complimentary but sometimes people really are opposed to okay. what they just heard so. but you'll continue you'll keep going because this is what you love yeah sure. we'll hear a bit of it later <laughs> thank you lynn Bechtold. um we'll get back to you i'd like to turn now to robert ford this is robert c ford also known as the wall street poet he is a word artist who collaborates with composers concordance for both live performance and recorded projects. His work has appeared in Montanade. Am I saying that right? Montanade. 
Montnat. It's a journal of contemporary Dada art, and I see some Dada art behind you there. So, Robert C. Ford, you are the Wall Street poet. I guess that means you write poetry and you work in finance of some sort. Is that right? That's correct. So, I, my entire career has been, you know, here on Wall Street, starting with Open Outcry as a commodities broker in the early 90s. But Mark was always on the poetry side, but I had to pay the rent. After 5 p.m., uh, I become the, the Wall Street poet. Ironically, I have very few poems about money, about finance. And that, that was almost a joke, you know, like I'm the Wall Street poet, but, you know, I, I don't have any, <laughs> any poems about, the, about finance. Just the common, the, the S in street in Wall Street poet is spelled with a dollar sign. I, I did notice that, yeah. <laughs> well, right, it's a dollar very, sign for now. Yeah. Very clever, very clever. Um, so you do you do relate some of your experiences in the uh, financial field, in the Wall Street field, in your poetry. Some of sometimes it gets in there. Uh, definitely. So I I think I, without a formal education, you know, I, I have this out of the box thinking approach. Thank you, Robert C. Ford, and we'll get back and hear some of your poetry later in this program. Let's talk about the social bubble salon okay. concert uh, idea. Uh, describe wh- where it happens. You were just, um, it happens. So just, just to tell you quickly about the idea. Uh, so, you know, composing cordons, we have like almost 30 concerts a year, uh, and the uh, coronavirus happened and all that we had to cancel what about 14, 15 concerts from March. That's correct. Through. So, you know, we're sitting around whatever. And finally, actually, you know, uh, cause uh, Mark has a townhouse and by around the what, June or uh, July, uh, we're like, you know what? We uh, I, the the term came because Robert said once, you know, people are having these uh, social bubble uh, uh, get-togethers in New York. This was like early July. Like people who know that they already either had coronavirus or they have the antibodies, they get together and they have drinks. So I, I thought that, that would be a great name for a salon concert. The idea for this one was get together only the performers, but like a lot of performers, like 12, 13, 14 performers, and we play for each other. But we also have 14 cameras going I, and have live streams going. So we have thousands of people watching it, but we're playing for each other. So I want to play for people. So the, 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 the online part of it is secondary. We have the online part and you can come and watch. And I know some people watch the whole concert. Some people maybe come for a minute or two, some people for an hour, whatever. But I don't care because I have a group of 15 people, the social bubble, that I'm playing. So I'm playing for the musicians, the other people that are there. They're my audience. Because we can't have an audience, why don't we just have... The, you know, the folks who are playing be the audience. So that's how it started. And so the fifth one we're having coming up is going to be on, on, on Robert Drew. I would just uh, chime in and, and say that we're very fortunate to have uh, these venues available. And we like to program our concerts thematically. And so when we, we presented an event, for example, at, on Robert Ford's roof there on Pine Street, right near right over the New York Stock Exchange a few years back, we entitled the program Music Over Wall Street. And so this was a theme that all the composers could get together around. And uh, while we are trying to stay within, of course, all the guidelines that have uh, inching over the course of the months, we're listening to what Governor Cuomo has to say about how many people can assemble and so forth in planning these events. Uh, at the same time, we, we're carrying on as artists and creating new music and finding uh, new ways of, of reaching the audiences. It is terrific via Facebook to be able to reach audiences of thousands of people. When you're performing, uh, you are you can't wear masks. Uh, we are. I mean, every, if you're playing guitar. Unless you're a singer or a wind musician, everybody. Or a poet. 
or a poet. Yeah. So I think, yeah. But everybody's wearing masks. So the whole thing is, I mean, it is a social bubble salon, meaning that we're taking everybody's word for it, that you're been quarantined and you're probably cool and you don't have coronavirus. Yeah. So in the back, uh, you know, and behind the scenes, we're not wearing, most of us are not wearing masks and we're having drinks and whatever. But during the concert, we do want to, uh, it's not even for us, it's more of like a statement. We are wearing masks and we are, uh, there's no like big ensembles. It's mostly duos or trios, so mostly solos. Dan was talking about the theme. So the theme's kind of, uh, uh, the theme now, the whole mask thing and the social distancing is the theme. So the theme is the social bubble salon. That's the theme. And you can play any music you want. You know, your piece could be about anything, but it should be for solo, duo, or trio, tops, and people should have masks. Right. <laughs> and it's just, you know. And it should have some kind of a new music quality to it. That's we, always we, been that's always been the mission of Composers Concordance. Yeah. We don't so. work with people who don't have that. Now, we did have a concert with, with a... a, a Michelle Schacht, who's kind of a famous pop singer from the 90s. So I wouldn't call her new music, but she added, she was a great performer. She, she sang a blues and added a total different, which was a, kind of a quite original blues as far as I could remember. So, yeah. I mean, new music, not new music, whatever, but she was a great performer and definitely added to the whole concert experience. You know, so so, uh, so, so we're, a big yeah. name, a big name at the... Uh... Social bubble I mean, salon. It wasn't about name. She just happened to live across the street or in the, uh, on the same block as Mark Townhouse, and she, she heard about her concert. She watched the one dude, and she asked if she could be part of it. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? We could have an MTV pop star in a concert. Why not? Yeah, why not? We'll we'll let we'll let <laughs> you like in heavy too. Rotation of MTV yeah. Why don't we Why don't we listen to some of the music that's come out of yep. the um, Composers Concordance Social Bubble Salon? And then um, when we get to the end, I'd like you to let everybody know, maybe you could do it now, where can we listen to this music? Every person involved in the concert uh, streams it on their personal YouTube page, but you can find all these concerts. If you go, if you go on YouTube, uh, Facebook, go to Facebook, sorry, and, and you uh, put in Social Bubble Salon concert, you will find the links to all the videos, uh, Sometimes on the Composed Concordance page, my page, Jim Pritzker, Dan Cooper's page, Marcus Stavis, Robert Ford. I know that all of them are on my Facebook page. So facebook.com slash Gene Pritzker. Let's listen to um, uh, at least excerpts of some of the music that came out of, I believe, the last salon that you had. The last one, just to say, it was, the, it was uh, focused on the piano. And we had some great, very great, famous, beautiful pianists uh, perform with us. I'd like to begin with, Gene, your piece, Pandemic Dance Number 17, Piano and Guitar. Why don't we listen to it, and then let's, let's talk a little bit about it, all right? Sure. Unless there's something you'd like to say to begin. I'd like to say that I'd like to listen to it. All right, here we go.
Okay, so there's uh, Jean Pritzker's uh, composition, Pandemic Dance Number 17. It's just the first about two minutes or so of it. It's like very pleasant and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And then it's boom, boom, boom. And then it kind of throws in this kind of, if I say kind of this ugly kind of ah, ah, ah kind of, kind of sound. And then it goes. Go on, there's another there's another quote for your for your for your bio. Ach, ach, ach. Ach, ach, ach. That's as far as my Yiddish goes. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> so when the pandemic started, I started this big project called Pandemic Dances, where I recorded 32 of these. Uh, I, I wrote 32 pieces for. I put it on Facebook. I said I'm going to write a piece for myself and guitar, and anybody else who wants to be part of it. And 32 people responded. Every instrument you could think of, from bass, trombone, organ, harp, I don't know, just whatever, violins, of course, and, and a couple of pianos. So one of them was a piano. I uh, wrote all those, and I sent them out, and I uh, recorded a lot of them, and I released the whole album. I mean, the album is ongoing. There's about eight or nine to go uh, on uh, Bandcamp. So you could go to my Bandcamp page and see Pandemic Dances. So this is one that I wrote, but actually this is one, one of the pianists uh, who took this one up. Her name's Tamar Muscal. She's a, she's a composer. She never recorded her part yet. She keeps emailing me saying, I'm going to record it somewhere. Like, yeah, whatever. But when we had this concert I uh, with Kathy, I'm like, hey, you want to, let's premiere it. So this one is actually a premiere before it was recorded, but I, w- I didn't write it for her. And originally, so a lot, and a lot of the ideas of the Pendant Dances is music uh, that was written for something else, adapted for whatever duet I was going to write. And record remotely. So this uh, this piece originally is for bass trombone and sax quartet. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. kind of weird. And uh, it was written for for the bass trombone the player from Berlin Philharmonic, the the, the principal. Uh, and they they played it in Berlin with the sax quartet. But I really like the music. I'm like, this is gonna work really well for piano because I could really arrange the sax quartet music for piano, and the bass trombone part works so well for electric guitar. And it had that. Uh, as you said, kind of, you know, we're all, everything's cool, relaxed, and all of a sudden the pandemic comes and gets you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really the, the combination of the piano and then the guitar coming in. Yeah. It was just kind of thrilling in a way. I wonder if anything, anyone else thrilling. has anything. I put that in my butt. Okay, there you go. Gene is, puts out so much stuff. I mean, I'm just amazed. I, I talked to him uh, not so long ago. He says, what are you doing? Uh, well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm, I'm writing. I'm, I'm writing. I'm just writing and writing, and it's like this. I have these ideas, and I'm writing and I'm recording, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Can't stop. Uh, I can uh, yeah, yeah. Any second yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, Gene Pritzker never stops. Let's let's listen to a piece uh, by Dan Cooper. Really quite different. It also starts kind of slow. Uh, I wanted to uh, play the end of this piece. And, Terrific. And uh, maybe we could talk about it. I realized it's very dynamic. And so we're only going to get like a couple of dy- dynam- dynamic aspects of it, but then maybe we, we can talk about it. So this is about the last minute 
in 40, 45 Maybe songs. I could talk for a moment about okay. it first. Please uh, go right ahead. This oh, okay. Great. Uh, when, we, when we planned the Social Bubble concerts in June and in July, uh, of course, we hoped that everything would go smoothly, didn't really know quite what to expect. The concerts went so well that Mark was asking us, well, can we, can we add another concert before I take my trip over to Italy? You think we could have an event maybe with some piano and so forth? So there wasn't a whole lot of time putting this together, but I thought, well, maybe Jay, Jay Jeffries, the pianist, who's performed my work before, might be available for this. And we're very fortunate that he's been on board uh, to perform uh, my elegy, which is in memory of Otto Luning. And as I mentioned, Otto served in an advisory role in the early days of Composer's Concordance, and he himself uh, enjoyed a, a very varied career, uh, as uh, best known as a pioneer of electronic music, but he also was a, a very accomplished uh, performer and uh, opera conductor, for example, as well as a composer of uh, over 400 orchestral and chamber music compositions. And so uh, the elegy that I wrote reflects uh, some of Otto's uh, compositional thinking, but there's another character in the mix as well. In those years that I worked for Otto, they had a house cat, a calico cat by the name of Mitzi, uh, who was always running in on the scene. Otto would get excited, the cat would roll over. Terrific uh, calico cat named Mitzi. And so I imagined in this last part of the piece, a duet between the composer and the calico cat up on the keys. And that's the portion of the piece that we're hearing. That's great. And uh, I, uh, I can hear that electronic music kind of quality in it, even though there isn't any kind of uh, electronics in it. It's all the piano. Terrific. That's, that's the intention. And that has a lot to do with the overtones, which are a, a big part of the, the timbral palette, of course, on the piano. Exactly. And I, my, my conversation with Maurice Wright and Ralph Schulte which I need to put out there because I think they had some great things, was about overtone and the matching of the overtone of the electronic sound with the overtone of the instrument that's being played. Those are amazing musicians you're mentioning. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so this is uh, Elegy by uh, Dan Cooper.
I could definitely thank you for sharing that little story before because definitely there was a cat on those keys uh, just running up and down and jumping and playing with a string. That's what I saw. <laughs> Anyone else have any, uh, any, any input? Uh, Lynn gives it a thumbs up. Cat's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag and on, on the keys. Let's move on um, to Lynn Bechtold's Murmur. And uh, let, me, let me get it set up. And while I'm doing that, Lynn, maybe you could talk to us about this piece uh, that you pl- played at the Social Bubble Salon for the Composer's Concordance. Sure. Um, yeah, so this piece was written, I think, actually about four years ago. But um, it's kind of about medical issues. Uh, so it's really about a heart murmur. I figured with all the medical beeping sounds that are kind of incorporated into the electronic that, you know, it kind of relates to all the kind of panic we have right now about COVID. And and then some of the words I took um, texts from Emily Dickinson and Dorothy Parker and some of my own words. So there is a little bit of snippets of poetry that all talk about murmurs of varying kinds. So murmur like whispering or different kinds of murmurs. So that's what the piece is about. But it's a little, it's a little dark and kind of alludes to death. Most interesting. I mean, it's interesting in a way that classical music just is not um, because it has all these levels and unexpected stuff happens. You say the whispering and then the sounds and what are those and the, and the violin, your violin coming in and out. And uh, I, I've talked with Ralph Schulte about the problems of playing electronic music and matching up your playing along with the um, the electronic sound that's coming out. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? How you match up? I mean, because sometimes there's no electronic sound, and you, and then, you, but you have to match up with it because you know it's coming up later. Sure. Um, yeah. So when I write, I actually I try to make it sort of either it's one style, which is more like the electronics are a backdrop, more just like a, an effect that you can do the music and it doesn't have to totally line up. But other times I make it very rhythmic. So there is kind of a pulse going through it. And I think of the electronics sort of as like a second or third like performer. So, um, you know, you have to think of it that way. I think if you want to make it line up, but like, for example, on this salon concert, I had some electronic issues. Like we had sound checked and my mic was working and then it just kind of died <laughs> right before I played. So, you know, on the video you see, I'm like, you know, bumbling around trying to figure out what's happening. Jean's helping me, Dan's helping me. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. It was fine. You know, so there's always those issues with, electronics like even though you try to do your best to sound check whatever sometimes there are just problems that hopefully you don't have most of the time but um but for for matching the sounds um yeah for this one I do like to be plugged in myself because um you know playing with the electric bass as well that's also electric so for this I usually plug in some of my um electronic pieces I don't plug in because the electronics are soft enough I think you can do it without what do you mean plugged in uh like I I plug into a amplifier okay Okay. Great, great. Yeah. This is Murmur by uh, Lynn Bechtold, and we'll listen to about the first minute and uh, minute and 40 seconds of it.
Is that is that Jean on the guitar? I uh, know it's it's me playing a dobro ukulele. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. Now, what's in your tea, man? <laughs> oh, I don't need no tea. I live on life. You know that. <laughs> that was that was wonderful, and um, and we can hear the rest of this uh, piece, Murmur. Uh, it's about um, what about. To about four minutes, four and a half minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it develops even more than that. What are the words that are being said? Is it I can't? Maybe it's not important to know. Yeah, it. it's I can murmur broken. I can murmur um, broken. The murmur of a bee, a witchcraft um, came over me. Great. Uh, we're going to end up with Robert C. Ford called The Day Saturn Lost Its Rings. And again, we're only going to be listening to just a piece of it, about a minute, minute and a half of it, kind of where you start your, your, your poetry. Uh, tell us about this piece while I get it uh, lined up. My poem, The, the Day Saturn Lost Its Rings, was published in the latest edition of Montinat, the, uh, the Dada Journal. So the theme for this year was sustainability of the planet due to the growing impact of climate change, cutting down of trees, pollution, plastics, et cetera, et cetera. So I took that and I wrote an epic love story with a surprise ending a la the, the crying game. So I don't want to give away the, the ending uh, until you play it. Send me the poem. And I thought this would be a great finale if I wrote uh, for, since it's a piano theme concert, if I took four of the pianists and put two of them inside the piano where they're plucking and messing with the strings and two of them on the piano. So there's four hands on the keyboard playing a lot of big chords. And inside this, you'll hear like weird glisses and plucking and whatever. I've had, by the way, pieces with eight people on a piano, four inside. And so I've, I've done this. I like one piano with two people around it. No, not very social distance, but whatever. So, uh, uh, and I wrote this uh, around the poem, which is, uh, again, does have an interesting surprise ending and the music goes along with it and I'm conducting it and the pianists are, where are the pianists? Jay Jeffries. Um, I'll tell you everybody so you know Seth Baustead, Tanya Staverba and Kathleen Sapove. Right. Just so you know. Thank you. I, I, unfortunately, we're not going to play the whole thing right now, but it is available. You just have to kind of look around. Um, so we're, we're, uh, we're looking at, uh, we're listening now to Robert C. Ford's poem, The Day Saturn Lost Its Rings, and Gene Pritzker's composition that goes along with it, as I understand, played by four pianists on one piano. Exactly. Sounds absolutely wild. So let's, let's listen to a bit of it.
was smitten by your rectangular body, your smooth and silky skin, your cobalt dress adorned with a wistful pink hibiscus flower. Your kisses were wet but soft and swept me away to far away South Pacific Islands. Okay, there, there, there's a piece from, uh, from uh, The Day Saturn Lost Its Rings, poem by Robert C. Ford, music by Gene Pritzker. When I first listened to it, I didn't, I didn't have that story that there were four people playing the piano. But go on, Robert. Uh, the joke of it is the, the object of my desire turns out to be a plastic Fiji water bottle, <laughs> and that's how it tied back to the Donna theme. So. Yeah. Oh, so you just gave away the ending. Yeah. You don't have to buy the book or the, or the CD now. I, in I'm case sorry. you don't listen to it in full and you're not sure what we're talking about, that's a surprise. That, that's that's a surprise. I didn't think it was a woman. Um, I wasn't sure what it was, but uh, the description was something other than my experience of woman. But, you know, maybe yeah. maybe there's, there's all different kinds of experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. This has been a most interesting uh, conversation. We've been kind of all over the place. Uh, why don't we quickly go around the room and tell me where you are now, what work you're doing, um, what can we expect from you, even though we're all locked down? I know we have some of that already, but maybe something you'd like to feature? Well, I'd, I'd like to mention, of course, that uh, Wednesday, August 19th, we'll be presenting our next Social Bubble Salon concert from Robert Ford's roof right above the New York Stock Exchange. And we're gonna have a wonderful array of pieces featuring amazing, amazing musicians, uh, Lynn Bechtold and Machiko Ozawa on the violins uh, and uh, Michio Suzuki on clarinet. Gene Pritzker will be playing the guitar. I'll be playing a little bit of percussion. And uh, so we hope that you'll tune in. Uh, and, and, oh, Charles is gonna sing? Oh, okay, so I knew, I knew he was conducting. I wasn't sure if he was singing. No, he's well. singing and Robert Ford is of course, aerial tour. the Wall Street poet himself. And so we hope that you'll tune in to the uh, live stream on Facebook. And Lynn, what's up with you? Um, I'm doing a bunch of things. I'm um, recording some Piazzolla for her recording. I love um, Piazzolla. Piazzolla is not new music, though. Well, it's modern. Okay, it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, and then I'm writing some music for a short little film film. Um, about this, uh, with this artist, uh, friend of mine. And, um, then I'm, you know, rehearsing with Machiko. Some of the, the duos will be playing next Wednesday. Um, it, it's amazing how busy we are, <laughs> even though we're kind of locked down. Um, of course you guys True. are getting together socially. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know that I've ever been so busy. We, we all keep moving ahead, but we all need to stay safe. And I, uh, thank you all for uh, joining us um, on Hunkered Down. And so we've been just talking with Gene Pritzker and Dan Cooper, the co-directors of Composer Concordance, uh, Robert C. Ford, the Wall Street poet, and Lynn Bechtold, the brilliant violinist. Good luck, and let's, let's stay in touch. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. And here's the last few measures of Gene Pritzker's Pandemic Dances, number 17. 